the volume. Hey guys, it's the sessions presented by FanDuel. The Super Bowl is here, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. FanDuel has awesome exclusive Super Bowl offers for both new and existing users. There's going to be tons of different bets and new markets available for the game. You can combine multiple bets into a same game parlay, and you can continue to jump in on the action at any time with the live betting. And when you win, you get paid fast. Download the FanDuel app today and start making every moment more during Super Bowl 57. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, So it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, Just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. And a one and a two. Samoa Joe, first of all, you don't look really like thrilled to be here right now. Well, I'm ecstatic. This is one of the best (laughs) times I could have used here right now. Yeah. You're just like sitting in a dark room. I'm very sad. It's funny having a podcast where I have guests twice a week, but like booking people, I always feel bad asking people to do because I know time is precious. Time is precious. Off time is precious. Come on, Renee, you know, you know, you know, I'll never miss an opportunity to hang out with you. I know. That's why I was like, oh, I'll pester Joe because I can pester Joe and uh, I'll get him to pop on here. Um, But what? Okay, so what does an off day look like for you? What did like today? What did you do today? Today was nice. Like I said, an off day is kind of rare these days. But uh, uh, woke up, uh, hit the pool, did a nice little cold dip, got my my mind right and my, my punishment done for the day. Hit the gym, came back, had lunch, little little fun noodle soup, you know, and uh, called called it a called it a, waiting for the games to start, you know. Yeah, I feel like on like those like reset days, like today was one of those days for me where I was like, oh, so our house is being completely remodeled right now, essentially. And I'm like sitting in a dirt pile for anyone that's not watching on YouTube right now. I'm sitting in a pile of rubbish. Had to work out. I had to shower. I brushed my hair for you. I like this is fresh new hair. I can tell them those those ends finally came together, which I'm really happy about. It's a great job. They finally <laughs> came together. But anyways, I feel like it was like a little mental clarity day and then my computer took a shit on me. So now I'm back to ground <laughs> zero of having a meltdown, which I love. I love those days. I think what people don't understand is like uh, if you had to describe your 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 
your normal week uh, as a in the wrestling industry or whatever. It's pretty much you take your entire life and condense it into like two or three days that you're your home life, you know, and like you got a baby time, uh, groceries, uh, laundry, everything that you need to get done. You got to get done in just this really short window of time. Okay, so how do you balance that? Because some weeks I feel like I'm getting a good grasp on it, but you've been a you've been in the wrestling world much longer than I have. You've had kids much longer than I've had. You've been married longer than I have. You've got a leg up on the entire situation. So what how do you how do you balance it? Do you have a system? Oh, we get a maid. First off, you'll you'll go find this. So you get a good, awesome maid. You pay her very, very well. And uh, I mean, literally, that's I think just the biggest thing is that, you know, you realize with your time being away from home. I mean, it's just it, it limits your ability just to get normal life done so i mean you gotta you take shortcuts where you can other than that it's just like you know we kind of got like especially laundry i think laundry is the biggest uh, uh wrestler <laughs> hang up i think you being married oh my so you know God. The it's and like that stuff that stuff comes out of that bag pretty pretty it's right never rough. Ending. So, uh, and it's never ending especially when you had kids in the equation who you know i i got a couple boys that you know act like shirts are worth 15 <laughs> minutes worth of time and they strip them off they get something else so it's like you know, the, the, the conveyor belt never stops, but I, I think the biggest thing is just like communication is big, you know, understanding, you know, the, how much your, your, your significant other can get done. During well, the cause week. Jess works too. Your wife also works. So like she is busy. She's up at the crack of dawn getting things done. Yeah. She works full time. She's a teacher, loves it. And you know, it's her, her passion. So it's like, uh, yeah, we definitely needed to uh, sit down, kind of strategize and figure out what we can get done, what we can't get done and what we can't get done. Well, you know, you gotta bite the bullet and, 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 and find somebody to help you come get it done. What like tips you over the edge? Is there something when you're home, if, if it's like this is messy or the, the gas is not in the car or there something like that that pushes you over the edge? All, all of the above. Because <laughs> <laughs> it all annoys you. You know what I mean? You get home, it all makes you angry. Yeah. <laughs> but as the years go on, you you start to realize, all right, I can't be mad about everything when I get home because I'm just making myself miserable. So you, you just kind of, all right, you don't mind stuff as much. But I think my big thing is, is like you do not, ever i don't care if it's a life or death emergency <laughs> never take the chargers out of my back oh my god do not touch the, the tech rage. in the bag there's nothing that makes me more angry than arriving somewhere digging in that bag and then just knowing you have to walk over to the newport news and buy some eight dollar <laughs> charger that's you know like it's just i think that's the biggest that's the only really thing now everything else flows off me but that one thing man if if you greatly hinder my travel progress, oh, that's that's instant. that is infuriating, especially if you or if you're just missing the plug and you're like, can I plug it my thing into the TV? Is there like going to be one of those switches where you can just not like omit the USB port? Oh my god! Let's be honest, like the majority of USB ports in hotels and or airports are bad. Oh kitchen. my like, god! You don't plug anything into the. I mean, they look rough. You know, I mean, they look like they got like a cough and a wheeze when you look at them. <laughs> like the USB ports are all jacked up. <laughs> It's not, not really the healthiest thing you want your phone to <laughs> I don't think that I've ever actually seen you mad. And what's funny is that like, so while I was like thinking about like things to talk to you about, you are one of the most scariest men when you switch to walking out the curtain, when you are walking to the ring and you're beelining and you were in Samoa Joe mode, I stay the hell out of your way. I know you pretty well. And you're like one of the sweetest, nicest men, which usually the most dangerous men in the room but you also know I can't wait for an opportunity to check in the boards, you know, just kind of put you up against the wall. <laughs> but I always feel like it's like the most dangerous guys in the room that don't have to like over exude themselves to let people know that they're a bad motherfucker. They don't have to do that. And that is you. But I've never seen you like ever actually 
mad. I would love to see that from a distance. I, I think it's because you met me a, a very later uh, version of me, which is maybe kind of toned down a bit and uh, understands the impact of his actions. And, uh, has been told that, you know, uh, when I when I flip out, uh, everybody kind of goes on high alert. And it gets weird real fast. So it's like, I, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. I just I just have I've learned uh, how much trouble comes with outbursts. And, and trust me, I've probably been uh, prosecuted to the hilt whenever I've uh, uh, popped off and gone crazy and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I, I just a lot a lot of uh, hindsight is really what it is. What kind of trouble are we talking here? Are we talking like trouble, trouble or just like bratty outbursts? Both, you know, like uh, for context, I, th- I think I'm probably the most fined and suspended guy in DNA history. Maybe not by this point. I don't know. For what? Like, what kind of things were you doing? I don't I don't know these stories. Uh, you know, I just, I just get upset at, you know, things and I, and I just wouldn't handle the right way. You know, I, I flip out. Well, here's the thing. It's never physical. You know, I've never assaulted anybody, never, uh, you know, threatened anybody's life. or That's not into me. But I think if anybody's been around when I'm, which I, I guess you have when I'm hot and I'm shouting about things, I'm told it's like very terrifying and it seems very like violence is about to pop off and stuff. So, I mean, I think that's really the gist of it. I remember at the time too, it was like anytime I had a big pop off and like somebody else would have something similar, like it, I was always punished way more. And it was like, we were just scarier. It's like, all right, cool. Well, I guess if you're scarier, but also if you were doing it more often, you overstepped the boundaries enough already. You were already in the deficit. Another reason too, is just like, I've, I've had a, a tremendous opportunity to kind of be, be in there to kind of, you know, roll around with and mess with some of the baddest dudes in the world. And you know, that's humbling really, really quick. You know what I mean? You get loop chug about three or four times the same way. And the guy tells you how it's coming. I mean, it, it has a tendency to make you kind of uh, have some clarity on what's a real danger situation. We all need one every now and then a little danger in your eye. Um, okay. Let's take things back to early days, Joe, because you are from a family of performers. You have been in, you've been an entertainer your entire life. Um, What's it like growing up with a family of performers and just kind of being bred into that environment? A pretty wild, you know, like uh, I think the transition to pro wrestling is probably the easiest thing I've ever done in life just because it's the same concept. It's gigging, you know, it's going out there. And I mean this in the gig sense, not the other way. <laughs> We're <laughs> not bleeding. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, 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 you know it's, it's, it's gig mentality. It's just, you know, you go out there, you're, you uh, book yourself out, you know, do your, do your night's work and, you know, collect your paycheck and travel home. You know, I'd been on the road and with my family performing full time. And that, and that's like, you know, three or four shows a week since I was five. At like summer, summer games. Is that right? Yeah, that was that was my first like dancing debut was my father made a terrible miscalculation on how quick the girls could get to and from the 50 yard line, make a costume change and get back out there <laughs> for the next number. You know, the girls, they they did their first routine and we're drumming in the background and they made their way off the field. And my dad looked and realized, OK, 10 seconds going by, 15 seconds. Oh, we're starting to lose the crowd. So he pretty much grabbed me. I was five at the time. You're cute. You get out there. I remember stall. You know, like it was a, like, go get him, kid. Stretch. Go get him, tiger. He's just like, stall. <laughs> and so, you know, went out there wide-eyed, terrified, did my thing, you know, walked back. I think some like 60,000 people in the LA Coliseum or however how much it holds. Don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> and, uh, I never had stage fright after that again. It was just like legitimately like I never, I've never been scared to go up in front of people, never whatever. Cause it was like, after that, it was just shock therapy. It was like, there you are. Okay. So working with your family though, what are, I guess like the pros and cons of 
seeing entertainment through their eyes, learning entertainment through their eyes, and then kind of making the foray into professional wrestling. The pros are definitely like understanding performance, understanding what an audience is you know, looking at and what they want comparatively to what you think they want. Understanding, you know, like I said, stage presence, poise, knowing to take your time in front of people because it attracts attention. It doesn't deflect it. It's a lot of like small things that are just stage presence issues immediately translated pro wrestling. And then, you know, from my brothers and sisters perspective, I mean, they, they're all extremely talented. My brother still runs the show to this day and in Southern California. And, um, you know, like, like I said, they were all very, very high end Polynesian entertainers. So it was like, I was always kind of striving towards that. And then when I got to pro wrestling, it was, it was a lot like finding my own thing. And, uh, as much passion as my brother had for the Polynesian dancing business, that's what grew for me as far as pro wrestling. Okay. So you're, you're with your family doing the Polynesian dance troupe. What was the twinkle in your eye to make the transition over to pro wrestling from that? So I think pro wrestling is probably the only sport team type thing that me and my father watched together. And so, and I think generally everyone in my house kind of enjoyed it. You know, they thought it was cool. And really for a lot of Polynesians, you know, pro wrestling was the, one of the few places, even before the NFL, where you saw actual Samoans on TV, which is wild. I mean, we're a small island in the South Pacific, you know, off on Sika, we're like, you know, Jordan and, and, and Pippen yeah, yeah. to, to a lot of <laughs> yeah. like young Samoans growing up because, you know, it was just, it was just, it was crazy to see like, wow, you know, we may be a small island that, you know, everybody thought we were from Hawaii and stuff back in the day. And it's like, to see that was, was always a big deal. So I think that's kind of what, what the attraction was initially. It was just that it was cool seeing Polynesians on television there. You know, I, I think I just got to a point where uh, my relationship with my father really suffered because of the show. You know, the rest of my brothers and sisters kind of exited. We're doing the whole thing at the time. It was just me and him and my cousins. You know, it just it put a lot of stress and strain because, you know, being my boss didn't stop when we got done with the show. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, like imagine having a tyrant of a boss and you know, he's living in the room down the hall and he's on you 24 hours. A day. So, I mean, like, because of that, like me and my dad's relationship suffered tremendously. And like, you know, we had a, we had a, you know, huge issues and like, you know, I didn't want to be part of the show anymore. And I was sick of it. And I was sick of being the last guy left, and, you know, and whatever issues that he may have had frustrations with my other family took out on me. Yeah. And it just manifested, uh, you know, in, in bad ways. And then when I made the transition to pro wrestling and I explained to him and, Obviously, you know, I, I paid my fair share into the family pot every time I got my paycheck. You know, he totally understood it and he got it. And and he knew I was passionate about it. He knew I was good at it. And he couldn't have been more supportive. You know, it's like it's like our, our relationship kind of like completely did a 180. Uh, he became my biggest supporter, my biggest fan, was driving me to LAX in the morning at five in the morning to catch flights to the East Coast. That's a favor if I've ever heard one. Like getting up, being like, you got to make this flight. You know, even you know, I'm, I don't miss flights, but I mean. I remember a few where he, he woke me up and said, you know, get your ass up. Got to get you to flight. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that I always appreciate about Pro was a was kind of a non-intentional side effect was that it really rebuilt the relationship between me and my father. What about the sense of like Polynesian pride? I mean, you mentioned Afa and Sika, but looking at what's happening now, I mean, your career, incredible, obviously, and we'll, we'll delve into more of that stuff. But I mean, looking at stuff that's happening with like the bloodline and those guys being like to see the career of those guys and where they're at, I mean, especially, um, you know, the Usos who have been in this game for such a long time from The Rock. I mean, there's just so many prominent Samoan professional wrestlers. What is the sense of uh, pride in that now? Uh, it's overwhelming. You know, obviously, uh, you know, the stuff that the bloodline are doing great. You know, the Usos are both real good friends of mine. 
Roman, you know, he's, he's a good brother. They're all good brothers, you know? And, uh, I think, I think for them, it's very much carrying on a legacy that their family started, you know, years past and really, you know, carrying that legacy probably better than even their, their, uh, forefathers would have hoped. And, uh, you know, for me, I think it's just, it's, it's very much in the same vein, you know, just letting all Polynesians know that they're, you know, we, uh, we're, we're well represented out here in the sporting space yeah. and, uh, you know, and just continue to try to be like, you know, a, a good, uh, I guess a good, a good beacon of hope for, for a lot of uh, kids uh, across the South Pacific that, you know, a lot of things are possible. Okay. So young Joe, five years old, being thrust into the spotlight at the summer games, your career through professional wrestling. I mean, you have been there and done so many different things, working different promotions, carrying championships, having all these amazing things now at 43. Sounds about right. I think check Wikipedia. I haven't, I really, I actually just hit that age where I go, I'm 35. No bitch. You ain't you're 37. <laughs> Keep up. <laughs> I'm, I'm mid thirties. No, you're actually late thirties. Um, what is your relationship with performing now? You've been doing it for so long. And I mean, even outside of the wrestling world, I mean, now you're, you know, you're doing the voiceover work. You're, you're doing so many different things. What is your relationship with entertaining now? It is super measured, I think is the best way to describe it. Like, and I think you've seen it too. A lot of people do, um, especially like you said, like I'm, I'm a definitely like walk through the curtain then it's on, but previous to the curtain. And I think you can attest to this. I'm probably goofy as hell as backstage or talking, <laughs> you know, thinking about anything, but me walking out there. Yeah. You're thinking of different ways to insult me. Well, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, breathing in and breathing out, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that, I think that's the biggest thing is it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot more controlled, but it's just because of experience, you know, it's just because I've been in that spot so many times and I've walked through that curtain so many times. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I tell people like, Oh, you know, guys, but you don't get a charge anymore. I go, no, the charge is there. It's just, I, I, I know what it feels like. Does that ever like affect you in a way that you're like, man, I wish, I guess you don't, it's not like feel like wishing. Oh, absolutely. No, I wish, I wish I could get that buzz back. You know, that nervous, <sighs> Oh, you know, my, my destiny's through this curtain. Yeah. I, oh, I know. It does. It makes me a little sad almost of like, man, but it's great. I mean, to be so lucky to have a career where you've been able to scratch so many of those itches and now to be able to look back on it in that way. But I know to like get that rush again. Well, it's funny. Like I'll see guys now, especially in AEW, because there's just a lot of younger, younger guys who are just kind of coming into their own. And I see it, you know, and I see just that, that biting tension and just that, oh, my, you know, and I'm just like, oh man, I remember that feeling. You know, it's like, it's, it's funny because right now they're probably thinking it's terrifying and it's horrible and it's turning them and pulling them in all different directions. And, but at the same Until time, they're done with there. it and then they so love it. it. And then there's, oh, it's this big release and they're all great and stuff. And yeah, I, I think that's what it is. You know, really performance is essentially kind of a, a guided endorphin rush. I've been on the trip so much. It's just easier to guide those endorphins. What would like your advice be to essentially the entire AEW roster? Because there is so many really young wrestlers. It is a young roster. Um, what's your advice that you would give to people that are kind of just starting, just getting that television experience and kind of learning those ropes? I mean, even guys that are well-seasoned pro wrestlers that maybe don't have that television experience. I think gauging your thoughts behind eliciting reactions from the crowd and how to get it rather than, you know, just worrying about the minutia of what you're doing and and, you know, like, like not worrying about the details, but worrying about the destination, I think is kind of what I'm getting at, where I feel like, you know, a, a lot of guys are really stuck on the, the technicality of what they're doing and not the reason why they're doing it. 
And I think that's my biggest advice I would offer to anybody. You know, AEW, WWE is just, you know, it's awesome that you can do it, but why are you doing it? I think just bringing that essence of reality to it, just having a reason for everything you do. You know, I'm a big, I hate the, the term less is more. I think it's kind of an open invitation to be really lazy, but I love, like, I love saying, get the most out of everything you do. I mean, it's just, I think it's a better way of saying that. Squeeze that juice out, baby. Yeah, get, get to the pith. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get it all out. Um, okay, so the past, what, five years have been like quite an up and down for you. Uh, I, I think <laughs> beyond that, I mean, probably past decades been pretty wild. Okay, so from going from TNA into NXT, um, your entire run at NXT to being on the main roster, to doing commentary, being released, being brought back, the ups, the downs. What what was like the soul searching that was happening during those moments of just trying to figure out what is next, what you wanted to still kind of give back to the wrestling world at that point? Because I, I mean, I know you and I had, you know, many conversations kind of in between some of those spots. But yeah, just sort of, I guess like that uncertainty that comes with this life. And the injuries on top of that, you got some wacky injuries too. Oh, for sure. I, you know, and the concussion by far is probably the worst thing. But in general, I think what happened with TNA um, during that time to the transition to NXT was obviously very unique and very unusual. You know, for Hunter to take that type of uh, chance and kind of go against uh, internal dogma by the people that were there at the time, um, what was a big thing, you know, and he, and he offered me a great initial deal. And after that went well, uh, he offered me a better one. You offered, I think you offered me like two more that were even better than that as uh, we, we kept going. And and then we were finally in business, like properly full time. And um, yeah, I mean, for me, that was kind of just validation as far as like, you know, all the all the work that I'd done was yeah. not, and you know, all the the, the time spent and, and all that was, was all for good. And then, you know, being released from WWE the first time. It was very bizarre. I will say from the outside, because I was already gone at that point. I was like, what the fuck? It just made no sense. I deign to say that that initially there, there, as I understand it, unconfirmed, you know, there's, there is uh, issues between the two upper echelons of management and they were uh, playing out their uh, war with the, uh, the careers and the contracts of the people underneath them. So, you know, uh, after the initial one, I mean, I didn't have much of a chance to grieve because essentially I was hired back within <laughs> hours. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think I was like, wait, can you do my podcast now? And you're like, nope. <laughs> yeah. I think I had to tell you good no. Cause I don't think I'm going to be back. Yeah. There soon. Uh, <laughs> and then the second time I just kind of chuckled because I realized it was very much the same situation, but at the same time, I mean, I, I wasn't bitter or mad. I mean, the, the truth of it is, you know, really to, to, and this is to give, you know, I guess WWE some credits was that I was expensive. You know, I, I was, I was expensive to keep around. And, uh, if, you know, cutting my contract, if they say that saved the company money, trust me, I, I believe it did. So <laughs> I, I wasn't like hot about that. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah. it was just more than just the silliness of, of the situation and what they were doing and, right. and, and the reasoning why they were doing it. But uh, which I can't, you know, you can never officially confirm, but I've but I've heard from enough people that I have a pretty good idea. What so, <laughs> yeah. Including many of the people involved. So um, after that, it was kind of like I, I, I think I spent a day kind of pissed. And like I said, more at the situation than the actual firing. And then like all these like super awesome opportunities literally materialize out of nowhere. Isn't it crazy how that happens that like, I feel like that, I feel like when you put in 
the work, which obviously you do, I feel like you kind of get met on the other end with all the other opportunities. I, I can confirm that is that is absolutely the case. You know, like I really wish I could say it was some, you know, miracle stroke of luck, but it was just literally um, it, it was kind of refreshing to see that a lot of the groundwork I laid and just, you know, just trying to treat people with respect and be kind and and be open. And, and you know, and, and it came back and visited me, the guy that, you know, I had met 15 years prior uh, and was a good, good, we had a mutual friend and we hung out, watched pay-per-views together a few times and, and stuff like that, you know, and he was, uh, yeah, I don't, I, you know, he was kind of like just getting started out at New Line Cinema at the time and doing this thing. And then he gives me a call and he's, you know, a major producer at Sony Pictures and he's just like, Hey man, uh, I got an opportunity for you. It's, it's pretty crazy. And he goes, obviously, are you available? So, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm available. It's just been made available. And he goes, uh, you heard of Twisted Metal? I said, yeah, the video game PlayStation is great. He's like, sweet tooth. And I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm in, let's do it. You know, like, so he had me read for the part and they loved it. And uh, the rest is history. How was that experience of doing that for you? You had to go into the studio and do it. We did actually a lot of location shooting. So we filmed uh, up in New Orleans and, uh, um, yeah, a lot of crazy, hot, uh, sweltering days out in the sun, various locales and driving crazy, uh, uh, Mad Max T, uh, rigged up, uh, with no AC cars, <laughs> you know, and chasing each other in the desert. So it, it, it really, really cool, uh, from the, uh, Mad Max standpoint, because, uh, you know, it's just awesome jumping and driving cars, but pretty crazy as far as, uh, you know, some of the, some of the crazy weather we dealt with down in Louisiana. So did that kick in a little bit of a different, like, Ooh, I'm doing something else. Did that give you any kind of a different, I don't want to say like nervous energy, but that like excited energy to be doing something different on a scale like that? Yes. Because, you know, essentially like I, I've never professionally acted in, 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 at least in a television production, you know, and uh, you know, I have a pretty good idea of what to do out there and, and, and with people. And then, you know, the first day you're kind of sitting across with Anthony Mackie and, the firing lines back and forth and, you know, these big long dialogues and, and, you know, I'm being dubbed over, but at the same time, you have to have the performance for the actors that are there. And for me, I just looked at it as like, well, this is just free practice. You know, worst comes the worst, they'll fix it in post, but yeah, you know, I'm going to give my all. And then, you know, it, it was cool because as we got into the production work with these guys, learned so much, uh, you know, you're, you're nervous every day. Cause obviously you don't want to let anybody down. You want to make yeah. sure that you know, everything's expensive. Everything, time you know, is expensive. Time is expensive. And so, I, that was my thing. I, you know, I, I went in there and, and it, it was a no lose situation for me and uh, a well-paid no lose situation. So I kind of took it for everything it was and just had a lot of fun with it. Did that, I guess, like whet your appetite for wanting to get into doing more stuff like that? And a little bit of a nice breather to not take some bumps for a while, right? Give the body a little break. But, you know, aside from that, like just that between that and the, and, and the voice acting for video games and stuff, it's just giving me a chance to be a different character. Uh, for me, that's just really exciting. It's, it's cool just to kind of expand a little bit and do some other things, take some characters the other way. So um, that, that's the biggest benefit for me. I'm pumped for you to get to see these opportunities and see different things kind of come your way. Because, um, yeah, hell yeah. It's like you plant those seeds and you wait for them to start to sprout to see what's going to take off, what's going to make sense. Um, I, I really feel that for myself in the last couple of years as you like kind of drop a little seedling here and there. And then all of a sudden it's like, and it takes a while. It's never that overnight thing that just happens. It's kind of the patience that comes with that and like nurturing certain things to like have them kind of come to life. To your point, I think is kind of what I've really learned is that, you know, I've, I've some of the smaller moments in my life, the smaller interactions that I've had have paid off huge later on. And I never expected them to, you know, I just was trying to just be cool or say what's up or, you know, homie was 
righteous. All right, cool. You know, like, and a lot of that, uh, whenever I've found myself in, uh, I guess, career peril has uh, just immediately materialized and, and like come with a lot of great offers, a lot of great things. It's really funny. I always feel like that's kind of happened to me too. And I guess that's just like how the world works is anytime you feel like you're like backs against a wall a little bit, you're like, oh shit, what am I going to do? And then it's like the most random thing will come through or somebody emails you or somebody calls you and you're like, whoa, the universe is weird. Not to get all like hippy dippy on it, but it is fucking trippy. <laughs> ah, I, I, think, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, okay. And the uh, totally switching gears here. You like to send weapons to my husband. Yes, I do. I would like to say I, I hate it. I don't hate it, but it does crack me up. If something just like comes to the house, it just says mocks on it. Odds are <laughs> it's from you. It's a sword, a battle axe. Yes. Which the more I, ridiculous I, the weapon, the better I like to send it to mocks. And that's what it is. It's not like some like run. It's like usually some like medieval times, like some insane item. But yeah, from the... um. What's the whip thing called again? Shambok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Shambok. We have like 10 of those in the house now. Um, there's a blow dart. Yeah, I said I'm the blow gun. Blow gun's awesome. I mean, everybody needs one of those. There's just so many ridiculous things. So you enjoy a, a good weapon. What What else do you have in your garage? What kind of ridiculous items do you have that my husband has not been gifted yet so that I can prepare for these? Oh, I, you sit next to me. I wish I could turn my camera. I have a bucket of weapons. <laughs> Just like just like a right red now. rubber bucket. Yeah. I, in fact, I'll tell you for so you throw this in post. I'll okay. take a picture of the bucket of weapons and you Great. can put it up on the screen. I'm a big history buff. This is where it all started. I mean, I, I, I love, you know, the, the, the eight battles in history. I love, you know, reading about how societies and civilizations, you know, proceeded, migrated, conflicted with every, the whole nine. So, and one of the things was, is, you know, when you talk about medieval battles and stuff like that, you know, you don't really think about all just how crazy it really was. So, you know, you pick up, a, a battle axe over here, let's say. And you think, you think, yeah, you, yeah, actually pick one off. Give me a second. Let me grab my battle axe real quick. <laughs> what the fuck? So, for instance, you got here a nice little Viking bearded axe. And you say to yourself, wow, that's pretty cool. Now, do I go outside and hit stuff with this? No. Do I kill water balls with it? I don't. Maybe I should. I hear it's pretty fun. But really, it's just it boggles my mind that somebody sat in a field for two hours swinging this at somebody else and lived like that's just wild to me. So that's kind of how it started. It was like more of like a, a, a visceral appreciation of history. But as time went on, uh, there's various people in my life I just like to send ridiculous weapons to just because just the conversation they have to have with their wives, like. Why is there a broadsword on my front doorstep right now? So you have other people other than John that you're sending these ridiculous things to? Um, no, John is currently the only guy right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there have been others in the past. But uh, yeah, John is only the current guy that I send arms to right now. Have you ever had any kind of incident where you've needed to call upon a weapon? Well, this is how the whole Shambok thing got started was somebody had gifted me one. And uh, to I was like, oh, wow, you know, it's kind of a weird looking thing. And to give everybody an idea, it's a, basically a small medium. It's essentially a riot. Whip. And, you know, have a terrible history of you know, South Africa and all this stuff. And it's, it's a horrible weapon. But somebody just had to give me one. Of course, I had to give one to John. But <laughs> uh, hell of a weapon. So, hell of a uh, weapon. you know, I, I, I kind of had it and just had it in my closet. Didn't really think much of it. It was just kind of, oh, cool, cool little thing. And I remember we moved into our new home 
And this was, uh, my, my first son was just born. It was very, very tiny. And we're in our room and we're listening to the baby monitor. All of a sudden we hear this clack, clack, clack. So I run to the baby's room, you know, nothing's wrong. I, I thought I fell out of the crib, something clack. And like, I look at my window and somebody's like, I see a chip in the window. And I, you know, open it up and there's this guy, he's basically in the middle of the street and he's just hucking rocks at people's windows. And, you know, for whatever reason. And uh, I remember I walked out of my house and, you know, the guy's stumbling around, he's throwing stuff. And I looked and I go, hey, uh, MFR, what are you doing? To which he stumbled over to me. I, and w- by this point, I realized he's extremely inebriated. And he's like, oh, what are you going to? And he's kind of stumbling and bumbling. The minute he crossed the line, I said, hey, man, get the F out of here. And uh, to which he replied, hey, F you, blah, blah, blah. And I see him go down to pick up another rock, at which point I took three steps across with the shambok, cracked him in the collarbone, and he made this unholy noise, really bad noise. It was, it was one of the roughest noises I've ever heard human make. Like, just like his voice making the sound or the collarbone snapping sound? No, I, I didn't snap his collarbone, I don't think, but it, the noise he made was, people shouldn't make that noise. <laughs> so I mean, I'm like, oh, you know, I look down at him and he's on the ground, he's messed up and you know, essentially the guy was just really, really drunk and not having the best night. Party's over, pal. Don't throw rocks at my kid's window. Obviously, not my proudest moment, but, uh, you know, hey, at least I can say I, I, I sampled and tried it out. It worked. <laughs> you took it for a spin, but you were protecting your castle with your newborn baby. I mean, you, you kind of, I don't know, I don't think you really had many choices. And a one and a two and a one, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sessions. It's Renee and Emilio bringing you the sessions. I'm sitting on the floor. Uh, my house is completely being renovated. It's not, I mean, when you're saying you're doing a kitchen renovation and a bathroom renovation, that's a big overhaul. Um, I'm sitting on the floor currently. A very uh, bad situation over here. My computer's on top of a laundry basket. Um, I'm probably sitting in lead paint. I don't know. It's not a good scene over here, but we're doing what we have to do for the product, which is the sessions. And it drives you nuts. You are a woman that likes order. You're a woman that likes to make sure that the equipment's set up properly and we're ready to go. And the moment- I don't like being late. I don't like being late. Tardiness in general sends a vibe of disrespect to everybody else involved, and that's not my vibe. I respect everybody uh, involved in this project, so when I feel like I'm dropping the ball, I start to fucking sweat. Because of you, I am no longer tardy to things because we're good. With you. you shouldn't be. You it's know, fucking rude. You've changed my life in that way because I wish I, I could change my husband like that. He doesn't give a shit. He's late to everything. I'm notoriously late for everything. Okay, so what is this? What is the lateness about? How do you not have a panic attack when you're late for something? You just don't care? No, I don't. Why? You don't you don't think someone's oh someone else is sitting there waiting for me? That doesn't make your fucking palms sweat? No, because what happens is when you're late enough and the people that you hang out with, you break them and they just assume that you're just going to, are you going to run on regular people time? Are you going to run on Emilio time? And so the same thing can go, are you running on Mox time? No. Are you running on regular people time? I got no time? time for it. It pisses me off. It like, it honestly enrages me. It's a bad message to send, but I've been kind of doing a little self evaluation 
not for any particular reason, but I've realized how much of a I'm a big time rule follower, I think. You are by the book with certain things. I'm like, hey, let's let's uh, get a little let's circumvent this right here. Let's uh, pay Peter to talk to Paul. And you're like, no, I like to follow rules. I like to be organized. And I was never I wasn't always like that, though. Like, I think it's just like adulthood. I don't have I don't have time to color outside the lines right now. I just got to keep it in the lines and fucking get it done. Okay, I I can understand that, but hear me out. Sometimes you have to color outside the lines to get it fucking done. Oh my God, of course. Listen, if I'm in a pinch and I've got to improvise, of course. But in terms of like, I mean, you know, I was bitching to you about this this week when I was like, oh my God, trying to schedule this show (laughs) makes me want to pull my hair out sometimes. Like it puts me in a fucking tizzy because I don't like leaving you hanging. I don't like leaving James hanging. I know that you guys have work to do on the back end of after we stop recording this, um, all those things while also doing, you know, the million other things I'm doing while Adding on top of that, a fucking house renovation. I'm ready to pull my hair out and be bald by the end of this. Listen, so outside of the self-evaluation, we can always do that more with therapy with Renee and Emilio. We can we can always dive into that. Let's talk about this scenario right now because you're in the middle of a demo reno. So we're staying at an Airbnb down the street from us, which is very convenient because now I can just jump back and forth and that part's great. Um, but when you're doing a renovation and you've got a baby, you've got two dogs, you've got a cat, you've got a husband that wasn't feeling so hot for a second. So we're doing a full kitchen renovation, full bathroom renovation up on our third floor, which means you've just got to clear everything out of the way so they can come in and just start, you know, throwing some sledgehammers around or whatever demo guys got to do. They got to chip gains this bitch. They got to chip it up. And that's what they've been doing. They've been chipping it up. And John's building a gym in our basement. So there's a different crew working in our basement getting that done at the same time yes and this is only week one let me just add that in as well this is just which i guess is kind of the hardest because that's when you're like wait what am i doing i've got to move out i've got to get my things what did i leave behind i've got to run back and forth to the house how many times have you ran back to the house all the time because i didn't i didn't like pack a suitcase of things i grabbed a few things in a backpack because when i'm not on the road i'm just in my sweats i don't need much But today, because we were recording, I had to like run back to the house, set up my equipment, which I was going to record in our bedroom. I was like, I'm just going to do this from the bed. What great content. And my computer took a shit on me. We could have called it the sleepover. Oh, my God. The sleepover sessions. That's the next one with you and John, where we have the whole sessions camera crew. It's you guys in bed and it's just microphones and just how he'll hate every minute of it. He would love it. He'll use uh, he'll use the shambok that uh, Samoa Joe gave him on us and we'll just be running away. Yes. Oh, my God. I know. Right. Everybody get out of here. Everybody move. Um, So anyways, that's what's going on over here. So what made you want to do the the kitchen and the bathroom over? And tell the people how many bathrooms you actually have in this house. So this house, which we found out from the kitchen demolition, they found an old pamphlet in the wall. This house used to be a part of historic tours. So it's actually built between 1867 and 1875. We thought 1880 in and around the same neighborhood. Anyways, the house is super old, very charming, used to be a bed and breakfast. So there is a bathroom with every room in this house, basically. So there's five bathrooms, but not and they're they're all fine, serviceable bathrooms. But I kind of 
I needed to be a little bit bougie and I wanted a nice luxurious bathroom. So that's what we're getting. And John needs one too. John needs like a good shower to like get the steam going, get a little direct heat on the back, have a bench, you know, it's a nice shower. A good soaker tub is coming in pending they get it up these godforsaken stairs. You also have to keep in mind that we bought this house off of a FaceTime. This was like peak COVID. We were in Las Vegas. We didn't know what we're doing. The house looks great. But then we moved in. And I was like, oh, this is not a new kitchen. It's actually quite it was, the last kitchen renovation was 1987. They painted it on the wall behind the cabinets that we took out. It just needs to be redone. And I want it. I just fucking wanted it. And John was like, whatever. He's over it. I think for the household decisions, I think he probably knows that it's easier just to let you handle those decisions and he'll just write the check. Well, I did say to him, I was like, listen, I act, I do think that we'll be in this house for a very long time. Like, I love this house. I can't imagine a reason that we want to leave. For that reason, I would like to get the kitchen that I want so that we can enjoy it to the fullest. But if there was ever a situation where I did think we had turn around, sell the house, the kitchen would need to be redone anyway so we can get more bang for our buck. We got to upgrade some things. So we're in it. We're in it. We're doing it. So now are you going to go step by step in like each bathroom when you're ready, save up a little bit more, fix them up a little bit? I got a couple ideas. The other ones just need like you know, a new sink, a new, the, the ones downstairs are like, they're, they're serviceable and just need a couple different upgrades. They don't need walls knocked down. They don't need, they don't need the full overhaul. The way your house is laid out, the schematics is, is like, it could get bigger if you were to knock down some walls just to have more space. But like that, those old bed and breakfasts were very, very small and compact for, for that time. This house is big, but like there is a lot of space in this house, but it's very compartmentalized. There's like room, room, door, door. There's so many different doors leading into everything. So yeah, it could use a little like an labyrinth thing. I feel like people come in the house and they're like, where am I? You can get lost pretty quickly. But anyways, no, I love it. I love this house. I think it's just the best, but it's like trying to do renovations that keep it I don't want to bring everything into 2023, you know? I still want to keep that charm, keep some of that character. Like, you know, I watch a ton of those HGTV, Mongolian Network. uh, You and me both. What are your HGTV shows? What are you watching? What do you like? Oh, God. I love Property Brothers, Beachfront Bargains. You know who's got really good ones is um, on Discovery+. Plus. They they have some good like art they've got like artisanal style home decor shows and I fucking love that shit. Oof. Do you watch Hometown? Yeah, I like Hometown. I love Hometown. I think I think Ben and Erin are really good. Don't you think there was a little pressure put on them though to be the new Chip and Joanna since Chip and Joanna booted it and they're like, You guys are our new it couple, you guys better bring it. They passed the torch and Ben is like, he's got that full mountain man beard. He's very, very tall. He wears a lot of flannel, but he's an excellent craftsman. Like everything that he makes is from scratch. Like that's a man's man. Like I look and question my own masculinity sometimes. And I'm like, I don't know how to build with wood. Do you wish I was a skill you had? Yes, because my father was very, very handy growing up. So it was like I would sit and watch and, and yeah, I know how to hang some sheetrock if I have to or 
know how to grout something because I can always ask. And, you know, repetition is key. My father comes from a line of construction workers. So this is one of those things. But I, I don't know what a carpenter's plane is used for. I don't know how to use a mill saw. Yeah, I really appreciate when people know how to like build things and like the dudes that are in here working on this house. Oh, my God. They're also like true cool dudes. I am a huge fan. They're very charming. They know what they're doing. Um, So to see those guys just like this is like rewiring the electricity and putting up some drywall and like they just are doing their job, man. It's great. I had to redo a bedroom in my house. I just made phone calls. I asked my dad, give me a good electrician. Give me a good carpenter. Here's the problem. Nowadays, nobody wants to work. What are people doing? So this is like a legit question. I don't understand how people are being paid to do things because nobody wants to work. You can't hire anybody to do anything. It's crazy. What is happening? Is this so this is a COVID thing that people like lost their jobs during COVID? Are they like followed their dreams and gave up their other jobs? What happened? I mean, if your dreams aren't paying you, then what are you doing to make your rent? When I was in San Antonio, a lot of people were telling me, oh, I quit my job and I just do Uber full time. That would drive me nuts. No disrespect to it. If you if you're an Uber driver and you listen to the show, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. But to sit in a car and they will do 18 hour shifts. Legitimately illegal. That is insane to me. And I was like, wait a minute. How long have you been driving while I'm about to get in the car with you? Yeah, that's too long. I'm stretching while we're doing this, by the way. Got to get into these hips, you know. I'll tell you what's driving me a little crazy right now, not to totally switch uh, gears. My kid is heavy as all hell. My back is thrown out from from hauling her around because I run from the Airbnb back to the house all the time and I've always got her on my hip. I'm feeling it. So at what point do you put her down and say, all right, walk? Well, she will do it sometimes, but I don't know. She's in a very, she'll stop and she shuffles in front of me and puts her hands up. So she wants me to carry her. I'm like, okay, it's quicker if I do that. It just hurts more. Is she doing that with like strangers too yet or is she still like very, very scared? Like when I walk up to her, she'll still lose her shit? Yeah, she just gets really shy. She doesn't lose her shit. She just like, she, (laughs) she just like looks down or like she won't make eye contact. She'll kind of like look away and gets like all like, she thinks like, I don't know. it's, It's very funny to watch her get like shy. Like father, like daughter really at this point. I know. I know. 100%. Um, Okay. And that aside, you were in San Antonio. How was your trip? How did it go? It was great. I had a double ear infection, so traveling and flying was was bad. But let me tell did you something. Did landing rock your world, being on a plane? It destroyed me. But let me tell you something. The, the, the comforts of first class are just amazing, brother. That Y class is unbelievable. It's a thing of beauty. I'm so glad that I did it because I had all the leg room that I needed that I could get comfortable. Well, especially when flights have been such a doozy lately, I think you can always see people like complaining about flights being canceled and delayed and blah, 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 blah. It's nice to at least have like buy yourself a little extra room when you know the chaos is about to ensue in the travel. And the people were panicking because I guess the plane was new and they were like the cabin only holds about 45 people's bags for the overhead storage. I heard a collective group of just go, oh, I got to check my bag now. Like this is like the end of the world. Yeah, you go check your bag. People get mad. I'm sorry that you have to walk to baggage claim, grab your bag, and then go to the Uber. I'm sorry. I will say that shit chaps my ass too. But I know I get it, my <laughs> too. But you know what though? I was priority boarding group one, baby. Got your bag in there. Sitting next to Reverend Run of Run DMC coming home. Did you talk to Rev Run? I actually know him kind of sorta because. 
his son, Diggy Simmons. Diggy. Oh my God. I used to love him on the reality show. I was his first interview. Really? Yes. So I used to have a blog uh, and I used to get, I used to have a vlog too, where I used to interview rappers and I would put them on this thing. And, uh, and during like this boom period in hip hop, like the, the, like the early aughts, everybody had blogs, like two dope boys on smash. Uh, you heard the new, the smoking section. So if you had a popular website, you saw this face interviewing rappers and asking them the most uncomfortable questions like that did what? not have. Oh, you know, like, um, if I was interviewing, let's say like, insert rapper here, I'd, I'd be like, who's your favorite white person? Or if I was interviewing like a white rapper, I'd be like, you know, name your favorite black person, like really put them in an uncomfortable position to get the comedy out of it. Or I would ask them like stupid things like, is the S in sense silent? The S in sense. Yeah, even though it, it isn't, but they would just to throw them off. So you see them think and sounding it out in their head. It would just, I would do things like that. And then I would do like my, my regular, like kind of like you style where I came super prepped. Then I would tell them, so on the album, you did this. What was this record? Was this a diss record to this person? Da, 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 da. But my thing was always like, once they drop their guard a little bit, then going for the questions that I know I can loosen them up a little bit. Yeah, I did. You have no technique. You do. You have a technique. You Miyagi your guests to the point where like, no, you do. You're a scientist at it. And I, and I tip my hat to you, lady. No, I think if I was a scientist at it, I would know. I would be like, this is by design. I'm doing this strategically. There's no strategy. Well, maybe you're just being humble. I don't know. But you're fucking great at it. I love it. So I, I was bullshitting with him for a bit and I asked him about his son and we were just talking about his son and the guy he was with, I guess it was his manager or just his buddy that does all this day-to-day stuff. He goes, yeah, Diggy was adamant about having you as his, his first and this other dude named Bongo Boy. Like, cause he swore by your videos. He thought you guys were, were the bee's knees. And I was like, yeah, I was the bee's knees. And I, I just asked him how his son was and, and that was it. And then I DM'd his son cause I, we still talk via, via Twitter sometimes. So I just DM'd him. I said, yo, wish you well. I saw your pops. I hope everything's good with what you. What is man. Diggy up to now? He still puts out music. He models a little bit. Oh, because I remember him being very cute. Like I remember on the show being like, oh my God, cute little Diggy. So he's, he's handsome. Very handsome. Okay. Into clothes. You know how a young 20 something is in, in this day and age. You know, the, the fits always got to be fresh. The sneakers got to be on point. The music has to be all encompassing with everything that you see. Optic is everything. Why so. are we all so curated? I just think that's just the way it happened. I think because of social media, we became curated. Like, you know, like everything has to be by design in regards to presenting. We're all like peacocks showing our plumage on social media. Right. Here I am. This is what I'm bringing to the table. Look at me. I'm wearing this or I'm doing this or I'm taking a picture with this person. Is it tacky to tag where your clothes are from now? Do we not do that anymore? If you want a sponsorship. I mean, isn't that the entire point of social media? Absolutely. I remember when I was doing it, I was tagging. Oh, God. I wanted like leather jackets from like Boda skins. I would tag them and shit. Uh, whoever, like jeans that I wanted. And mostly, oh, I got them. They were like, okay, cool. You got some numbers. You're, you're doing something great. Like Nike used to send me free shit all the time. I'm like, cool. Let's. Let's rock and roll. But then you get so much stuff. You're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then you just feel like you're, you're politicking just for that. And then you might lose the people that actually want to see what you're doing. And it's like, how many times you guys do the blue steel face while wearing a shirt or you're just looking off into the distance? 
I know we, I feel like we've talked about this for years about how social media just makes us all always presenting our best selves and presenting sort of like a filtered version of ourselves, always putting like the best foot forward. But I know there really is this whole sense of like, we want to show everybody every little thing about ourselves. Yeah, because I think what we want to do is show that, hey, we're interesting. We all want to be, I don't know if everybody wants to be a star. Look how interesting Just look how interesting I am. Find me interesting. And then you want to follow me and then I can show you my life. Like, you know what has taken over Instagram is the real, is the video. It's no longer just a photo platform that you can pop off a fit or you could take a, a picture of, you know, your, your meal or like, you know, something you thought was artsy in your head because the light and the shadow come together at the exact same time and you use a filter, you know, but the video has changed it now. So I know when I'm, I'm scrolling and first of all, I'm bad at social media, not bad at social media, but the last time I posted on my Instagram feed was in June. I oh, have wow. not posted a, vi- a photo. I'm always on the story. You see where I'm going. But even in my brain, I'm like, oh man, I now want to rebrand the gram. I want to archive all my old photos. I want to take new ones. I want to do a, a reel twice a month. Blah, 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 blah. I don't got time for that shit. Who does? Actually, I'll tell you who does. I don't, but I'm making time for it is me because I mean, by the time this airs, I've already done it, but I'm filming some food stuff. I've got a local guy here, Shay. He's going to come to my Airbnb and we're going to cook some stuff because I need to put some more stuff out there, too. I need to break up this stupid fucking feed that we're all glued to. And it's nice to see some food. It's also nice to see the kid. I'm just tired, though. You know, like I'm tired and it's a lot of work. It's not just like, oh, here's my fucking steamed broccoli. It's like, no, now I got to go cook a thing. Well, I got to go. Oh, my God. It's so much work. It's all so much work. There's nothing easy about it. No. And that's what social media pretends that it is easy. I know. And it's not. Because they pay you to do real, not you, but they will pay you. They should pay me. Instagram has hit me up several times. Do you want to join the Reels program so you can get paid? And I'm just like, I don't have time. to. I don't even TikTok. I I don't. Like I have I have a TikTok account, but I don't I don't post on it. I don't even go on it. I don't go on it. I was on high for a little while. When you thought Twitter was going away, is that one? Yeah, because I'm also on the quest to own the actual name, just Emilio. Right. I've never just, like, it's always been taken. I want to be the only Emilio on social media. When people type in E-M-I-L-I-O, I want it to be me. But it comes down to presenting. Let's show how interesting I am. Like, all these travel vlogger girls. Maybe that's why nobody's working anymore, because everyone's too busy doing these fucking reels. And they try to get really artsy, right? Or there's the mommy vloggers, which I find really, really funny too. What about the Target ones where now it's just like there's Target and then there's Kohl's people and they do that as well. Then you have the guys where we're going to cook meat on an open fire with a piece of wood. I like those guys too, actually. Those are interesting. Or or, uh, I'm following like a lot of jujitsu guys. Or something like this, where you see a microphone in their face, yellow text on the bottom, and they say something kind of like interesting and yeah, like, deep. Do I have to go listen now? Yeah. Right. And and that's it. Like um, like dudes like Michael Chernow is a dear friend and a former client of mine. Michael's very power positive forward. You got to have habits and structure and routine. Michael puts up reels 
constantly. He's like, sauna, cold plunge, eat your food, take your prayers, say your vitamins, brother. Your dun, 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 Like, you know, it's just imagine, like, <laughs> remember his goddamn shirt going, let me tell you something mean, Gene. You know, but he's very good at it, and he's built an audience for yeah. that, though. Yeah. I just don't have time to curate that. I like my sneakers, I like my clothes, I like my wrestling, and I like some other shit. I, a lot of people do these reels where they like, they shoot one on one side and then they stand on the other one. They do like the do's and don'ts of yes. fashion stuff. I have to watch those about 15 fucking times <laughs> until I'm like, wait, what am I doing or not doing? Right. They're so hard to follow because I'm looking at one side and I'm trying to match them up. It's too much for me. I think that's when I'm like, oh, I'm getting old and I don't understand anymore. Because I seen one when there was a guy talking about suits and stuff. And I sent that to skinny Nikki. I forgot what his response was, but it was typical Nikki. I think he was like douchebag. No, not doing this. Corny, cringe. You, you know how Nikki talks. And then like it, it started to resonate with me. I'm like, yeah, this is cringe. Sometimes I like it. Like I will say I feel like I'm in a bit of like a fashion rut, which is why I feel like when I see these, I'm like, oh, yeah, tell me, how do I do this? Like, what's the word? I, I don't know what to call it. It's like fashionable slob that I just like don't understand and not that I don't understand I don't know how to do it I think what happens is now it becomes so hyper focused and all of it's in your face at the same time you're becoming very overwhelmed and you're like yeah am I doing this right am I wearing clothes like this on tv am I doing all the don'ts am I doing all oh, the do's like, I know am I doing the don'ts Am I doing the don'ts? That's the It's thing. funny. I saw the other day this shit chapped my ass. I saw that ballet flats are coming back. I will not fuck with a ballet Don't do flat. It. I Don't won't. Don't do it. I can't. I shan't. I will not do it. I will not participate. I hate ballet flats. I will do my chunky loafer. I will live safely in that spot. Ballet flats, absolutely not. But anyways, I was bitching about this to John. And John's always the voice of reason. He's like, well, just don't wear it. If you don't like it, don't wear it. If it, Like, why are you following the trends? Be your own trend. I'm like, oh, calm down. All right. Right. But then, there, but then there are people that emulate your husband on social media where John could probably become this social media guru if he did like a moxism or whatever, even though we know that's not him. But there are guys that act like him on social media. Follow your own heartbeat, man. Listen to your own voice. And you see they build this like big fucking following and it's curated it's all just curated it's who we want everyone to think we are oh my god it's all just i don't like it i want to i want my i want my fucking refund i want out you should yeah, i want out too let's but you can't get out because once you're in you're in that's the that's the problem and we all scream into an echo chamber of like-minded individuals so you like something once that becomes on your discover page and then like you like something else and then that builds and then they're just starting to categorize and curate for you what they think your algorithm likes. And next thing you know, you're in a hole of just scrolling <laughs> on chicks doing just fitness things. And then you're like, the why am I on The algorithing. They riving, bruh. They riving. And, and that's the and that's the crazy part. Uh, a lot of the shoe stuff with me, too, because I want to know, like, all the sneaker drops are coming. Big shout outs to Ariel Hawani, who's on my flight as well. I seen him. That's a good brother. Good says brother. He likes our banter. He says... Emilio, I listen. You guys are great. Thank you, Ariel. So I love you, you Ariel Hawani. What a gem of a human being. Love him. Actually, his boy DC 
Now here at the volume. Those two are thickest yeah, themes. We gotta get DC on. You can yeah, we do. do your I Googles, would love to get DC on. Download the, the, the episodes and, and watch him on his YouTube channel. He's part of the yeah, volume. Yeah, check family. him out. Love Daniel Cormier. Absolute legend. Legend. Okay, so you're down in San Antonio. What all did you accomplish while you were in San Antonio? You went down for the rumble, obviously. You were there with E. I have not seen E since before um when he won money in the bank. You've not seen him since then? Holy shit. I've been friends with Ator for about 10 years, and um, we will go sometimes one year or two years without seeing each other, but we talk every day. That's crazy. But we talk every day. Literally, we will talk every day from like the moment he wakes up early, he's texting me, and while I'm going to bed, I'm responding back, and then when I wake up, the conversation- We got, it's a bro, it's, it's a bromance or a man love as I would like to call it. It's, it's, there's a man love there, but that's my brother. I love him. You know, what's funny is so when you messaged me that you were with E and I said to you, it's, I don't know. I mean, yes, he's an exceptional human being, but for some reason in the last week, I've been thinking about E a lot. So it was like very serendipitous and weird when you sent me the picture with him and I was like oh my god why am I thinking about Eve so much right now so I need to text him and like catch up with him but he's just been on my mind he's got a lot of cool stuff coming up um he's very excited about the our heroes rock thing that he has going on it's a short animated film and I've seen bits and pieces of it Renee who great Listen, not to blow smoke and not just to be one of those like supportive best friends, but it is so good. It could quite possibly if the, it could win an Oscar. Stop. That's how good it is. No, it's, it's when are really we going to be able to see it? Do you know? They're thinking about doing a viewing release party the week of WrestleMania in Los Angeles. So he told me once he finds out all the information. And it's him and Andreas Hale's part of that as well, yes, right? Yes. And I think Jonathan Davenport, who is the, um, the animator. Andreas Hale, also great guy. It's really cool. I th- I'm very excited for everybody to see it. Um, and I, I, I told him, I was like, listen, man, you are living the dream right now, my friend. Yeah. So I was so when I tweeted what I tweeted, very happy to see bruh healthy and thriving. Like it really brought a tear to my eyes. So when he left, like I gave him a big, long hug and I told him, man, I'm, I'm just so glad you're here and you're able to do this yeah. and you're able to walk and you're yeah. able to move your neck and breathe on your own so yeah. to see him that he's actually doing it and he has some really really cool stuff yeah i'm gonna message him i gotta catch up with him you gotta catch up with him because i think yeah. you guys i think you guys should should hang thanks so much for hanging out with us guys uh hopefully you enjoyed the week enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there, and you can see us talking, having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there, Um, and that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well, so we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know? Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, We like filtering through them all, reading about them, maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions. 